Hey, guys, I want to pray, and then we're going we're gonna to dive in, and we're going to move quick in this session, okay? Lord, thank you for this opportunity uh, to be here with these men and these women. I thank you, God, for the vision that you've put in their heart, for the passion that you've given them. And, God, I pray that, that every individual in this room would walk away uh, from this session today uh, with, with one practical thing that will make them a better leader and better leader developer. And so, God, we just open ourselves to you, open our hearts, we open our mind, we open our ears, and God, challenge us, stretch our thinking, and, and, uh, and grow us in this hour. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey, to help me get to know you just real quick, how many of you in this room are in a pre-launch stage of planting? Okay, more, more than I thought. Okay, how many of you are a church planter and you, you, you're, you're five years or under in? Oh, wow. Okay, okay. How many of you are uh, coaching church planters, denominational leader, coach church planters? Okay, all right, good. All right, here's what we're talking about today. Um, I want to talk to you about how to build a leadership development culture from the very beginning of your church plant. Uh, that's what the description says, but the title just says church planting. So I forgot to send them the title, so sorry about that. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, guys. Um, here's what I see happen, okay? Church planters get excited about their vision, and they begin to define their mission, and they begin to study their community, and they begin to piece together their strategy, and they, they, they begin to flesh out their values, and they launch church, okay? It's good. It's, it's good. Very rarely have I seen a church planter from the start ask the question, this one question, what is our leadership development strategy? I, I've never known a planter to ask that question from the start. And so I want to show you something real quick. Here's what happens. Plant a church, and let's say you have 100 people coming, all right? You got 100 people coming, you're excited, you got a leadership base to support that 100 people. And because you knew you had to get people and plug them in and all that, and then all of a sudden, God provides increase and your church goes to 200. And then all of a sudden, your church goes to 300, okay? And you're growing this way, right? If you do not grow this way, if you do not grow a foundation of leaders, in your church, you're going to hurt and destroy the long-term viability and health of your church. And so this is why it's so important. And Leadership Network did a study. They asked around 5,000 churches. This was about four or five years ago. Warren Bird called me afterwards. He said, Mac, we gave, we gave churches, these churches, 50 topics. And we asked them, which one do you want the most help in? Which one do you need resources in? Which one do you need training in? 50 topics. He said, Mac, guess what number one topic was? Leadership development. Leadership development. But we don't think about it until we get here and we begin to feel the pain. And so what I want to talk to you today is how you can build a leadership development strategy from the beginning. I'm going to be up front with you. It's not easy, okay? It's not going to be easy, but it is simple, but complex to execute, okay? So, uh, so here, here we go. Um, first of all, I want to tell you about when I had my leadership development wake-up call. I, I, was, uh, I was fresh out of seminary. I'd gone to Polly's Island Baptist Church, and, and I was the associate pastor. And, and that meant I was in charge of everything, okay? And so I remember, you know, it's my wife Cindy over here. 
And Cindy and I, we were new at the church. We were excited. I was green. I was young. I was enthusiastic. And so you guys, the first year, year and a half, I was leading worship on Sunday mornings. I'm not a worship leader. I was overseeing, overseeing Sunday school. I was preaching on Wednesdays. I was over the children's Sunday school. I was over the midweek Wednesday night kids program. Started, started an outreach program. I mean, I was just doing everything. There was a big S on my chest, okay? It didn't stand for Superman. It stood for stupid. I mean, I was doing everything in this church. And a little church of about 150 people. Now, a year and a half in, Cindy and I go on vacation. And we're sitting there on vacation. And I looked at her and I said, honey, they're getting ready to fire me. She said, they're not going to fire you. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. They're getting ready to fire me. They just don't know it yet. I've got 100 balls in the air. And I can't keep this up. I'm about to lose them all. I'm about to drop them all. Everything's getting ready to come crashing down. I can't keep this up. It's killing me. I got a buddy. He asked this question. Can you do what you're doing today the way you're doing it for decades? It's a good question. I couldn't answer that question back then, yes, because it was going to kill me. And so that night, we were on vacation. I, I remember I sat down in a hallway took a legal pad, and I just sat there, and I said, God, something's got to happen. And that night, God whispered into my soul, and he said, Mac, I want you to write down the names of everybody that reports directly to you. So I did. Wrote down the names. Eighty-eight people in a church of 150 reported directly to me. Sunday school teacher need new curriculum. Call Mac. Small group leader having conflict with somebody in their group. Call Mac. Worship band needed their sheet music. Call Mac. Everything came back to me. So that night, God said, Mac, here, I want you to build a wall of protection around yourself. So that night, I took the 88 names, and I starred seven of them, and I drew a circle around, uh, around my name, and I plugged seven people into leadership positions. I went back. I talked to those individuals, and I said, I'm changing the way I lead. From now on, I'm leading through you. You, I need you to be the leader of this, and you be the leader of this, and you be the leader of this. And when your people come to me and say, hey, Mac, I need this, I'm going to go say, no, what's your name? Dean. Dean. I said, no, you go see Dean. Because I'm going to promise you, Dean, I'm no longer going to undermine your authority and your leadership. I'm not going to be the answer man. I'm not going to give them what they need. I'm going to drive them to you, and I'm going to support your leadership. And I told those seven people, I'm going to spend the rest of my ministry here pouring into you and building you as leaders. And that's when I discovered the power of leadership development. Guys, it saved my ministry. Probably saved my marriage because I wasn't taking a day off. It was crazy. So, so I, that's when I discovered the power of leadership development. Now listen, I used to say this all the time. I used to preach this. There is a leadership problem in the church. There's a leadership problem in the church. And I don't believe that anymore. There is not a leadership problem in the church. There's a leadership development problem in the church. The leaders are there. We've got people leading in all kinds of disciplines of life. They're coaches, they're entrepreneurs, they're supervisors, they're managers, they're bank presidents. What we have to do, and my goodness gracious, my conviction is that the church should be leading the way in developing leaders to impact our culture. But here's what we do. We develop leaders for ministry. Here's how you turn the widget for this ministry. And we've got to change our mentality. And we have to begin to, to lead people and mature believers who, who are leaders in your church. Let's teach them how to live a biblical lifestyle of leadership. 
not how to turn a widget in a ministry. Leadership development is teaching people how to lead, not just in the context of the church, but in the context of their life, home, work, and ministry. So that's the direction our leadership uh, development thinking has to go. Now, what I want to do in our time together, and I hope I can get through all these, is I want to give you some guiding principles for building a culture of leadership development, okay? So here's the first principle. Number one, your outline, don't focus on building leaders. Don't focus on building leaders. That's the first key to building a leadership development culture. Don't focus on building leaders. I'll tell you something. The reason that the reason most churches have a leadership deficiency today is they never built a culture of leadership development yesterday. Leadership development was never ingrained in their culture. And so there's a deficiency of leaders in their pipeline. And guess what? There's going to be a deficiency of leaders tomorrow in our church's pipelines if we don't start developing leaders today. So the answer is not to build leaders. The answer is to build a culture of leadership development. Here's what happens. We focus so much on, on filling positions rather than building a culture that builds leaders. We just focus on filling spots rather than having a constant flow of development of leaders in our leadership pipelines. So here, here's what I want you to get. The end goal, the end goal when you're thinking about leadership development is to produce an abundant harvest of reproducing leaders. That's when you know you've got a culture. Okay, so if, if, if Mac is pouring into Dean and Mac is pouring into James, and Mac is pouring into Cindy. Watch this. And then Mac moves to Montana. Leadership development stops in your church. Now, you might, you might have a Mac in your church. Boy, he's developing this leader and this leader and this leader. Yeah, we got a culture of leadership development. No, 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 not necessarily. It's not until Dean and James and Cindy turn around and develop leaders. When they do it, now you can say, I've got a culture of leadership development in my church because leaders are reproducing leaders. There's an abundant harvest of reproducing leaders in this place. Let me give you an action step. We'll try to give you an action step for each one of these. If you're a church planter, action step is this. Change your language. Stop talking about developing leaders. Start talking about building a leadership development culture, okay? That's a big shift. Understand that shift, okay? Number two. Leadership development must be modeled from the executive level. Leadership development must be modeled from the executive level. There is a bullish, uncompromising law that we cannot ignore. The values of the leader become the values of the organization. So as the senior leader, as the church planter, you can stand up in front of your your team and say, hey, I need you to put together a task force to figure out our leadership development strategy. Or, hey, I'm setting a goal that we're going to develop 20 new leaders this year. But unless you yourself are developing leaders, you will never have a culture of leadership development in your church. If you're a ministry leader, unless you yourself are raising up leaders, you're not going to build a culture of leadership development. It has to be modeled from the executive level. Now, let me let you guys off the hook a little bit, okay? Because I know some of you are sitting there right now and you're going, oh, Mac, 
You don't understand. I'm too busy to develop leaders. You don't understand everything I'm working on. There's no way I can develop leaders. I'm way too busy. Well, here's one thing I would tell you. The busier you are, that means the more you're doing, which means the more opportunity you have for somebody to watch you and learn from you. So that excuse, I'm too busy to develop leaders, that's not an excuse. You're exposing yourself when you say that. I'm too busy to develop leaders. You had the best opportunity to develop leaders because people have the opportunity to watch you. Okay, now, but here's the deal. Leaders, senior leaders, listen to me. I'm going to let you off the hook right here. It's not the volume of leaders that you produce that matters. It's your voice and visibility in the process. It's your voice and visibility championing the leadership development process. So, you know, when, when Joe was at our church, you know, uh, everybody knew that I poured into Joe. Everybody knew that I poured into Mark. And, and, and I would put them on stage, and they would preach, and we would sit, and we would talk about how it went. I mean, now, listen, this wasn't me mentoring him. It was us learning leadership together. Anytime I invite somebody in or somebody asks me, will you mentor me? Or I invite somebody into a mentoring relationship. I always tell them, listen, this is not a a teacher-student relationship. This is a co-learner relationship. I'm training a couple of church planters right now. Tell them up front, guys, this is a co-learning relationship. I'm going to learn. I know I'm 50 and you're 16, you know. (laughs) They're so young. But this is a co-learning relationship relationship. So it's your voice and visibility in the process that matters. That's what helps you build the culture. Action step. Identify two to three leaders on your team that you are going to pour into, that you're going to co-learn with, that you're going to grow with. All right, number three. Principle number three, leadership development must be a clearly stated expectation for your staff. Leadership development must be a clearly stated expectation for every leader on your team and on your staff. Listen, here's here's the deal. Developing leaders is what we do. Stated that simply. Developing leaders is what we do. Now, just stating it clearly is not enough. It's not enough. You have to make decisions based on that value. You have to make decisions based on this. And people have to see that, oh, he's serious when he says developing leaders is what we do. Had a guy come knock on my office one day. It's when I was working for Seacoast, and he knew that our high school pastor had just resigned and left. And and we hired 98% of the people at that that church came up from, from within. And so he knocked on my door. I said, hey, Mac, I understand the youth pastor's gone, and I I'd like to apply for, for that position. Now, understand as I tell this story, I knew this guy really well. I mean, he close friend, and, and so I knew that he wasn't ready, okay? I knew he wasn't ready for that level in the pipeline. He was, that wasn't his next step, okay? So I sat down, I said, all right, tell me something. What would you do if we put you in that position today? Oh, man, I would get my group of boys together, and I'd be there after school, and I'd meet them after school, and I'd take them bowling, and I'd hang out with them over, you know, have them over for cookouts and all that, and he'd talk for 20 minutes. I said, all right, great, thank you. Listen to me. You're one of the best volunteer leaders we have in this organization. But this is not your next step in your leadership journey, okay? Because, listen, here's why. Because everything you just explained to me, what you would do, 
You described a doer, not a developer. Not one time did I hear you talking about developing kids as leaders. Not one time did I hear you talk about developing your adult leaders. You're still the doer. We can get you up the pipeline, but you're not ready for it yet. Not ready for it yet. You see what happened here? You got to make decisions based on that value. And when people see you making those types of decisions, they go, oh, (laughs) developing leaders is what we do around here. Listen, leadership development will not stand strong as a value in your organization unless you take a strong stand for it in your organization. Ram Sharon, great business writer, wrote the book Leadership Pipeline, Leaders at All Levels. If, if you want a great book on developing leaders, Leaders at All Levels, phenomenal. But in the book, he says, leadership development should be on the job description of every leader in your organization. That's your action step. That's your action step. As you're writing job descriptions for every leader in your, in your church plant, put in there, develop new leaders. All right? Now, number four, number four. Develop for vision, not for need. When we're thinking about leadership development, develop for vision, not for need. Here's what we do. We have a ministry, and let's say that, let's, let's just take groups ministry, for example. So you got 80 people in groups. you got eight leaders. Somebody moves away, and you go, oh, no, we're short of leaders. So what do you do? You go out, and you find a leader. You plug them in, and you go, whoo, we can rest for a while, Okay. Listen to what Paul told Timothy. Listen to this. The things that I have taught you entrust to reliable men who will will give it to others also, teach others also. Do you see? Four generations. He's teaching Timothy, develop for vision, not for need. Don't plug holes. Think generations. Think generations when you're thinking leadership development. So don't just think about the need we got to fill. you got to think, what if God would provide increase and instead of 80 people in this ministry, there's 160. Instead of eight leaders, we need 16 leaders. And you put 16 on the board and you look at your team and you say, that's how many leaders we need. And they look at you and you go, no, 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 that's crazy. We only have 80 people in groups. You go, no, it's not crazy. Because in this church, we develop for vision, not for need. Okay. So that's another key principle in building that leadership development culture. So your action step, church planters, write up an org chart for how many people that, you, for, that your organization needs, your church plant needs, one year from today based on the projected growth that you think might be there. Draw the org chart, star the leaders, and start developing for that amount of leaders in your church plant. Number five. Oh, this is a tough one to get through. Oh, oh, but it, it's, it's so necessary. Be, de- or develop an intentional leadership development strategy from the start. Develop an intentional leadership development strategy from, from the start. When I talk to churches and pastors all across the country, and I, and, and I ask them this question, what's your leadership development strategy? I only get two answers, okay? I got two answers. Number one is, uh, we don't have one. Yeah, we don't have one. You know what the second answer is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ours is organic, which means they don't have one. They don't have one. There's no intentional leadership development strategy. They don't have one. And so we've got to be intentional about developing 
leaders, all right? So here's what happens. Because most churches don't have a leadership development strategy. Let me show you this. There is no strategy. So you've got children's ministry, student ministry, groups, first touch, whatever you've got there. Okay, now here's what happens. There is no leadership development strategy. So in children's ministry, they say, oh, we're going to develop leaders using this system. In student ministry, they say, oh, we're going to use this system. This is how we develop leaders. And over here, they say, oh, we're going to, we're going to develop leaders this way. And you step back and you look at the organization. You look at the church overall and you go, that's a mess. That's a mess. Here's, here's what I challenge planters with all the time. All right? What you want is one single aligned leadership development strategy that oversets every ministry in your organization. You are destroying efficiency. You are destroying effectiveness when you allow, and and my goodness, the synergy that can happen when ministries begin to talk about what is our leadership development strategy. When, When I coach churches and consult churches on this, one of the exercises I give them, and it's so fun to watch this, I teach them the leadership pipeline, okay, Leadership pipeline is, this is somebody who leads themselves, lead others, lead leaders, lead departments, lead the organization. I show them this, and I said, put yourself on this chart. So, you know, a children's pastor would say, okay, I'm right here, or the student pastor, group's pastor, whatever. All right, I say, okay, now I'm turning in a visitor card to your church this week. I'm going to turn in a visitor card, and I'm going to say, I want to volunteer. I want to be a leader in your ministry. What I want you to do, and I'll give them about 45 minutes, I want you to show me what your current system is for taking me from here to how are you going to train me to lead at this level in your ministry, train me to lead at this level, this level, and over time, how do you get me to take your place? If you don't have an answer to that question, you don't have a system. You don't have a system. And I'm going to tell you the beauty of this. Somebody would come knocking on my door when I was at Seacoast. Hey, Mac, because I was a leadership development pastor. They'd come knock on my door. Hey, Mac, I want to be a campus pastor. We were a multi-site church, 14 sites. Everybody wanted to be a campus pastor. I want to be a campus pastor. Okay, here's my first question. Tell me where you're serving in the church right now. Well, I'm not really serving right now. I said, okay, well, are you in a small group? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in a small group. Okay, well, great. Let me show you something. In the leadership pipeline, you're right here, Okay. So your next step to becoming a campus pastor is not this. Your next step to becoming a campus pastor is learning to become a small group leader. And then we're going to train you to be a coach. Then we'll train you to be a director. And then we'll train you to be a campus pastor. But that's how you get there. That's a system. Okay? So you have to have an intentional leadership development strategy that oversets the entire organization. Now, what I'm getting ready to give you, typically I'll do in about three hours, okay? But I'm going to give you this really quick is when I was at Carolina Forest Community Church, I began to ask the question, how, you know, WWJD. I was thinking, how do, you, how, do you, how do you develop leaders, you know, and WWJD, what would John Maxwell do, you know? And, and <laughs> I said, no, that's not the right question. What would Jesus do? So I took the Gospels, read through the Gospels, and highlighted everywhere I saw Jesus developing leaders. I learned so much. I mean, just incredible, incredible study. Encourage you to do it. The one thing I want to share from you is this. Jesus had a three-point approach to developing leaders. And I'm just giving you the basics of this right now, okay? First, he used a three-prong approach. His first, first thing he did was mentoring. First thing he did was mentoring. Now, right out beside that, one to three. 
one to three. He had his three that he poured into. Now, now, write this. What is the purpose of mentoring in your leadership development strategy? It's this. It's leadership preparation. So I, when I have somebody that is here at this leadership level, and I want to move them from leader to coach, how are they going to get there? They're going to be mentored by somebody who's at this level. Okay? So that's how you get. If I got somebody who wants to be up here, how they get there? They're going to be mentored by somebody that's at, at, at this level. So it's a mentoring approach. So Jesus, Jesus used that with his, with his disciples. Second part of his, his approach was teams. That's 1 to 12. And, and he would get his teams together. Remember James and John, they were fussing, you know, sit at the left and the right and all that. Remember what Jesus did? Hey, 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 time out, team time. Huddle up, huddle up. Everybody come here, sat down, and they were fussing, and they were fuming, and they were, you know, all over and yelling and all that. And and then Jesus slides this lesson in there about servant leadership. When when did he do that? During the team huddle time. So three to four times a year, let your teams gather and huddle up. Now, here's the purpose. Here's the purpose in your leadership development strategy, peer-to-peer learning. All right? It's not leadership preparation. They're already there. It's peer-to-peer learning. That's what takes place in the team environment. And then third part of Jesus' strategy, get this, conferences. Conferences. Jesus would get four to 5,000 people together at one time. And the environment was so riveting, people wouldn't even leave to go eat. They loved it. So what's the purpose? Inspiration and vision. And it's one to all. So here, here's, here's your action step for your leadership development strategy. All right, let's go back real quick. I don't have it up here. <laughs> Mentoring is leadership preparation to get them to that next level in a pipeline. Teaming, huddling three to four times a year, grouping them up for peer-to-peer learning. Conferences two times a year, in-house conference at your church called a leadership summit. All leaders, prospective leaders, potential leaders show up, and you take an hour and a half, and you treat them like Nam's been treating us the past two days. All right? You treat them nice and you give them some good, solid leadership stuff that's going to develop them and help them live a biblical lifestyle of leadership, not learn how to turn a widget into ministry. All right? And you do that and they're going to go, oh my goodness, I'm learning so much. Did you have a question? Oh, you're scratching your face. <laughs> so that's intentional leadership development strategy. Yes, sir. Inspiration and vision, that's the purpose, yep. And it's one to all. It's getting everybody together. Yes, sir. Team, yeah, it's when you get your team together for team huddles. One to 12. Is that the question you ask? I can't hear you. Thank you. All right. Um, Okay, number six. Let's move on to number six. What's that? I can't hear you guys. Oh, action step. Oh, action step is start from the beginning with, and I recommend this by building this three-step leadership development strategy into your church plant, okay? It's teaching this strategy to your leaders in your church plant and building it from the beginning so that when somebody looks at you and says, What's the leadership development strategy of your church? You go, oh, we mentor people for leadership preparation. We, we huddle with them three to four times a year 
uh, for peer-to-peer learning, and we do two conferences a year in-house just for our leaders where we just give them vision, inspire them, and teach them to live a biblical lifestyle leadership. That's our leadership development strategy, okay? So you, you, you start that from the beginning. All right. Num- the next one, decentralize your leadership development. Decentralize your leadership development efforts. When I was at Seacoast, I was the I was so excited when I first got there. I was a leadership development pastor, and 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 they said, "Yeah, we do our leadership development on Wednesday night. We got these classes, and and they teach the pipeline." I said, "Oh, that's exciting, man!" So I oversaw it, and I went in and I watched, and I went, "Ooh, this is not good." I mean, it was like twelve people sitting right here, and in the uh, leading uh, others session, which taught people how to lead small group, a guy would stand up for an hour and fifteen minutes and lecture on how to be a small group leader. I said, this is bad. So here's what I, brilliant me. Okay, brilliant me. I did this. I said, ha, 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 we're going to trash that. I rewrote the curriculum. I made it highly interactive. So we met on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, and we put them in a circle. And I said, we're going to be a small group. And we did it. And then five weeks in, I'd say, okay, now you're going to lead this week for 15 minutes. You're going to lead, and we're going to give you feedback and all that. And I thought it was brilliant. And, And so I executed it the next semester. And guess what? We still had 12 people coming out. Oh, curriculum got better, but participation did not. Why? Let me tell you the problem. This is what I call program-oriented approach to leadership development. Here's the problem. Number one was distance. People who, some of your best leaders live uh, furthest away from your church. Have you recognized that yet? Some of your most committed, some of your best leaders live 30, 40 minutes from your church. They're not going to drive back on Wednesday night to do a leadership thing, okay? Distance is a problem. Busyness is a problem. You have eight sessions on those Wednesday nights. Guess what happens? Nobody has 100% attendance. So they miss essential elements of their developmental process. So, so busyness is a problem. Timing is a problem. We kick this class off in September, run it through November 17th, and God, with his sense of humor, sends somebody to you. Just this incredible, passionate, potential leader who says, I want to be a leader. And you say, oh, we require training. Put me in it, coach. Put me in the training. And and you know what your answer is? Come see me in January. It's when the next session starts up. Here's the other problem, self-selected leadership. Hey, everybody, we got a class, Wednesday night class, leadership. Come one, come all, and the wrong people show up. God bless their heart, but leadership is not their next step. They're the only ones that have perfect attendance and come to all eight sessions. <laughs> and then you've got to break the news to them that they can't lead. Man, it's dangerous. Self-selected leadership. Here's the other problem. Relational loyalty is the other problem. This isn't in your notes, guys. You just have to throw it in here. Um, relational loyalty is another problem. I, I, I changed the curriculum. I put these eight, 12 people in a group, and I said, I'm going to lead you like a leader. This is how I'm going to train you. At the end of the eight weeks, guess what happened? I said, okay, now you're going to serve under Pastor Jerry, and you're going to serve under Pastor Betsy, and you're going to serve under Pastor Jim, and, and all that, and Pastor, if you believe that. So uh, anyway, so, uh, uh, so what happened, they looked at me and went, no, no, I, I want to serve under you. Why? Well, you're the one who trained me. You're the one who believed into me. You're the one, you're the one who spoke life into me. You're the one who gave me feedback and gave me that critical thing that made me a better. I want to be under you. Relational loyalty is a huge problem when we have one person doing all the leadership development in your church. It has to be decentralized. So let, let me tell you what you do. I, I, so I was wrestling with this problem. I read Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 one morning in my devotions. 
rocked my world. He's given apostles and pastors and teachers and evangelists and, you know, to, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And I read that, and God said, hey, hey, look, look at that verse. And I said, yeah, yeah, God, I know that. My job as professional clergy is to do leadership development. I know that, God. And God said, Mac, no, 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 look at that verse. Pastors, apostles, teachers, prophets, evangelists, those were not paid staff in the early church. Those were lay leaders. Those were people in the leadership pipeline of the early church. And so here's my paraphrase of Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. He has given leaders to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Guys, could you imagine what would happen if we released small group leaders to raise up small group leaders? What would happen if we took coaches and allowed them to raise up other coaches? Instead of putting them in a class, let's put them in a mentoring relationship. My wife, I'm so proud of her. She's been doing this for years and single-handedly has mentored over 20 women as either coaches or small group leaders in the past five years through a mentoring relationship. I remember the first time I said, honey, you have to do this because you're my wife and I'm the one that sort of put this in. She said, I can't do this. I'm not a leader. I said, you have to. Now she's one of the most confident leadership developers I've ever met. Amazing. But it's decentralizing. He has given leaders to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And now listen, when you do this, could you imagine what would happen if you decentralized your leadership development efforts and you released your leaders to begin to mentor people to prepare them for the next level of ministry, of leadership? If you begin to allow them to do huddles and, and, and create that peer-to-peer learning, could you imagine what would happen in the leadership landscape of your church if it wasn't one person developing leaders, but it was 20% of your leaders developing leaders? Because I want to tell you this, not everybody's going to do it. The goal is 20%, and I'll show you why in a minute. But here's, here's what happens. When you begin to release leaders to mentor other leaders up and, and reproduce themselves, Distance is no longer a problem. Where do you want to meet? Timing is no longer a problem. Busyness is no longer a problem. You want to meet Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Do that, read that chapter I gave you, watch that video I gave you. Let's get together and talk about it when you're available. I can do it on my time and your time. I mentored a guy through small group leadership. took me eight months to get him through it because half the time he was, he was flying over to Germany, but we made it through it. Anytime, any place, any pace. A decent, what happened? When did the church, when did leadership development become church-centric? And why? Why? Why do we build church-centric-based leadership when Jesus didn't do it that way? It was life on life. People ask me all the time, Mac, what's the, what's, the, what's the best program to develop leaders? What's the best book to develop leaders? What's the best system for develop leaders? What, what, what's the magic bullet? I wanna, I'm going to give you the secret right now. Are you ready? If you don't write anything else down, write this down. The magic bullet in leadership development is you. It is you. Give me the worst leadership development curriculum in the world, and I can use it to, 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 to build a leader because it's, Leadership's caught as much as it is taught. It's spending time and, and, and being co-learners with each other and me learning from you and you learning from me and say, hey, this is where I messed up. Don't do what I did. Watch me. What am I doing well? And man, people learn that way. 
We've got to get back to a decentralized model of, of, of leadership development. I don't have an action step. You figure that one out, all right? Because <laughs> I want to get to this one, and I know we're running out of time. Um, okay. Listen, I, I mentioned 20%, so this is the next principle. Capitalize on the 20, the power of 20%. Capitalize on the power of 20%. I want to show you something. This fascinates me. And the math I'm going to use with you is, is rough, but trust me, I've done the detail on it, and, and it does work, but I'm going to, you're going to question some of this. But anyway, so, so here you go. I was at a church that was growing 15% a year, okay? Uh, let's say your church grows 15% a year. Let's say you had 300 people attending that church. I'm going to use groups as an example. Let's say that you have 50% of people in groups. That's 150 now our magic number is 20%. All right, if you have 50, 150 people in groups, you probably have 15 leaders. Let's say this p- particular case study has 15 leaders, all right? Now, you're panicking because over the next 12 months, you're panicking because you're going, oh, no, we don't have enough leaders, we don't have enough leaders, we don't have enough leaders. Watch this. You know that your church is going to grow to 345 over the next year because that's 15% growth. And, and, and let's say it has a pattern of that. So you're going to have 345 people. What does that mean for groups? It means you're going to have 175 in groups, right, basically. So now that means you need 18 leaders. Now watch this. You're going to lose two up here, and you need three more. How many leaders do you need? Five. When do you need them? Over the next 12 months. Power 20%. Take 20% of your leaders. What's 20% of 15? It's three. You ask each one of them to raise up two to three leaders each. Let's say three. Over the next 12 months, using the mentoring process, meeting anytime, anyplace, at any pace, okay? Three of your leaders, not all of your leaders, everybody does this. Everybody says, everybody has to have an apprentice. Don't do that. Don't do that. What you want to do is you want to identify 20% of your current leaders who are willing to reproduce themselves. If the others do it, great. But I would deem those three as trainers. They're also your small group leader or your first touch leader or whatever ministry it is. But you designate them a special designation as trainer as well. And you say, I want you to mentor three people. That's nine. How many did you need? Five. You can have nine new leaders in the next 12 months. When you put the math to it, it downsizes the problem, doesn't it? And it makes it seem doable. Now, um, action step is this. Identify 20% of your leaders who will be willing to reproduce and pour themselves into new leaders. I was mentoring a young guy one time, and he came into my office one day, and I said, Brian... I want you to tell me, today it's going to be all about me. I, I'm, I'm going to learn from you. you. Starbucks hired you two months ago. Tell me how they developed you. He said, easy, Mac. First day on the job, I walked in. They said, Brian, I want you to meet Bill. Bill's going to be your trainer. Bill's just a regular barista, okay, on, on the leadership pipeline. He was a barista. And, and he said, Bill's going to be your trainer. He's going to walk with you over the next two months. Bill looked at him. He said, I want you to go in the back. I want you to read pages one through five of this little manual. He went in the back, read the book, came back out, said, I'm done. Bill said, Brian, you learned to greet a customer, didn't you? Yep, sure did. Watch me greet a customer. Went over, greeted a customer. Now you greet a customer. 
Now, go back and read 6 through 10. So he went back and he read 6 through 10, came back out, done reading 6 through 10. You just learn to make a latte. Watch me make a latte. You make a latte. You get in the picture? Okay? And so, man, you decentralize it. You decentralize your leadership development. Choose 20% of your current leaders in every ministry at every level of the pipeline. Get them to reproduce themselves, and it will change the leadership landscape of your church. All right. Number eight. Leadership development requires a clear learning path. Leadership development requires a clear learning path. Here's how we develop leaders. Hey, read this book. Hey, listen to this tape. We never talk about it. We don't do anything with it. Just read this book, okay? So we have to have a clear learning path. I was was meeting with a children's pastor one day. He asked me to go to lunch. And he said, Mac, man, I'm struggling with developing leaders. I said, all right, talk to me. Tell me what you're currently doing. Let's identify the problem. Let's, let's, let's re- reverse engineer it. Tell me what the problem is and so we can see what the problem is. And so he told me, he said, well, I, I, I pick a potential leader. I tell them to follow me for four weeks, and they follow me for four weeks, and I plug them into ministry. I said, well, that, that sounds pretty good. I mean, doing the shadowing thing, that's good. I said, Scott, tell me this. When they're following you, what do you want them to learn? He said, I don't know. What, what do you mean? I said, well, when, when they're following you those four weeks, what are you teaching them about leadership? He said, I, I don't know. I said, okay. I said, listen to this. What song is that? He said, I don't know. I said, Scott, everybody knows that song. What is it? I pounded it out again. I said, what is that song? He said, I don't know. I said, why don't you know? He said, because it's in your head and not mine. I said, Scott, that's what you're doing to your leaders. This is what you're doing to leaders. Let me tell you what you do. At Launch Network, here's what we do. We reverse engineered successful church plants. We identified 12 leadership competencies. They're stated as visible, observable competencies, skills. We put them in sequential order, and we tell our church planters every session, we're going to teach you this competency. This is the notes to the song. Competency number three, cast a clear and compelling vision. Competency number four, lead with a bold faith that takes prayerful risk. Competency number five, identify the needs of your community and develop an intentional strategy to meet those needs. Strategy number six, effectively raise and manage money all the way through number 12, which is persevere through difficulties to get to the next level. And so we don't teach a model of church planting. We don't teach a method of church planting. We want your church to be unique. We want your church to be from God's vision that he's given you. What we're going to do is we're going to surround you with and teaching you 12 leadership competencies so you can lead strong, launch strong, and last for the long haul. Because it's leadership that's killing our church planters out there, guys. It's not a spiritual issue that's causing them crash. It's not most of the time. It's not contextual issues the majority of the time. It's leadership issues. And so what we got to do is we got to apply this stuff to church planters and say, hey, guys, these are some of the most young, enthusiastic, vision-oriented young people. Let's intersect that wisdom, I mean, that, that excitement and that vision and passion with older guys, experienced guys, experience and wisdom, and let's teach them leadership and watch them grow. So action step, identify the skills, the competencies. I recommend five. Five, for the leadership level of your different ministry positions. So small group leader, what are the five skills you want them to be able to to, to do? 
children's leader? What are five observable skills? First touch leader, what's the five observable skills? You identify the skills and you develop a, 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 a pathway to teach them those things. Three minutes. Number nine. Oh, goodness. Leadership development puts an emphasis on producing transformation, not just dumping information. Leadership development puts an emphasis on producing transformation, not dumping information. This setting, while I'm glad to be here and I hope it's helpful, it drives me crazy. Because you know what I'm doing to you? I'm dumping information on you. That's how I was trained as a church planter. I, I, went, to a, I went to a hotel and I, and I sat there with a notebook. And I, I was getting ready to take the biggest risk of my entire life. Putting financial, family, everything on the line. Biggest risk I ever took for my life. Two days of listening to a guy help me fill out a notebook and put blanks in a notebook. After the first session, I moved to the back because I realized I'm not... He's dumping information. I need somebody to transform me as a leader. That's why at launch, we teach you the 12 competencies, but we do it over a six-month process where you're walking with a group of no more than six other planters, and somebody's walking with you the six months. No matter where you're located, you're in a group, and, and, and there's a coach that's walking with you, and they're teaching you and coaching you based on those 12 competencies and helping produce transformation, not just a bunch, not helping you fill a notebook. And guys, this is the way Jesus developed leaders. He took them on the field. He had them experience things. He debriefed it with them so they could learn from each other and they could learn from him. And somehow the church has gotten away from it. Because, Sorry, I'm on a soapbox. Here's why. Because we put preachers in the seminary and we teach them to talk and then we make them leadership developers. And what do they do? They talk. They're only doing what they know. It's not their fault. But somehow we got to change. And if we're going to change the leadership development cultures of our church, we have to create learning environments where transformation takes place and not just dumping information. Number 10. Do I have two minutes? Oh, probably one minute. One minute. Oh. Leadership development must be celebrated. Leadership development must be celebrated. We don't do this enough. If it's going to become a value in your church, you have to celebrate it. On, on uh, June 21st, 1990. 1990, my first son was born in uh, Baylor Hospital in Dallas, Texas. And that day, phone lines lit up, emails flew. I mean, there was a celebration going across the country. Why? Because Mac and Cindy, Mac and Cindy reproduced themselves. Let me tell you what you need. Here's your action step. Here's your action step. When a leader in your church reproduces a leader, here's what you do. You say, hey, I want Dean to come up here. And Dean comes up here and said, Dean... I want you to tell everybody. I want Dean, I want you to introduce James. Guys, Dean's been pouring into James the past six months, raising him up as a leader in this church. Let's give Dean a hand for raising up a new leader in this church. Why is that important? Because what gets celebrated gets replicated. Build environments where leadership development is being celebrated. Quick one, uh, leadership development. I just skipped one, but let me... Let me just give you this, this real quick. Leadership development requires an inclination to see potential in people. Oh, I wish I had time to spend more time on this one, but leadership development requires an inclination to see potential in people. Here's what we do, planters. We own that vision. We love that vision. We bleed that vision. We want to make sure that vision's functioning right. And because we own it so much, we walk into our environments and we try to catch people doing what, what they're doing wrong. 
start looking for what your people are doing right. Because listen, when you walk around and you catch people doing what they're doing wrong, you got a bunch of warm bodies. But when you walk around and you praise progress and you praise potential and you see potential and you thank them and you build them up and you help them see potential in themselves, you light their soul on fire and you can change the world with a soul on fire. Number 11, leadership development is a slow, messy process. We want it to be quick, easy, and linear. It's slow, messy, and customized. And then number 13, you've not completed the leadership development process until your leader has developed a leader. It's not done until your leader has developed a leader. God's impact through your life will reach its maximum influence when you focus on reproducing readers, leaders and build an abundant harvest of reproducing leaders in your church. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Enjoy the rest of the conference.